for listening to Redeemer Church of Denton's sermon audio. For more information about Redeemer Church, visit us online at RedeemerDenton.com. Have you ever wondered what makes someone attractive? The, the secret services have always understood the role that charm plays in kind of that spy process. I've, this is maybe an old man thing, but I've been reading a book about, uh, about a spy named Kim Philby. And if you uh, know anything about spies, Kim Philby uh, was part of what was called the Cambridge Five. And the Cambridge Five were a group of British spies who grew, uh, who, who uh, went really high up in the ranks of the British Secret Service, uh, but they were closet communists and they were all spying for the Russians. Now, Kim Philby himself was the one who rose to the, to the highest rank, including for a season, he was in America, stationed in Washington, D.C., and he was kind of the go-between between, between uh, the British Secret Service in the American Secret Service, all while spying for the, uh, for the Russian communists. So if you kind of throw rocks at people back then and think, oh, they were, you know, hyperventilating over communists and, you know, the high uh, rankings of our government. Well, that's an example of that was actually happening. Uh, Kim Philby was a very charming man. And I think, you know, when you look at his life, it, it's fair to ask, okay, well, how did he do it? Now listen, no doubt Kim Philby was a very smart man, okay? And he got away with it really for decades. Also, Kim Philby was a very charming man. And one of the things that was interesting to me about reading this biography about Kim Philby was the fact that he had a stutter. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think about someone uh, who has a stutter, if you have a stutter, you probably don't think it's charming, okay? If you have a stutter, you, you probably think it's something more like a thorn in the flesh and something that you wish you didn't have. But what some biographers have said about uh, Kim Philby and his stutter was the fact that this uh, little tick about his personality, this thing that, that he had as part of his life, it, it actually made him pretty disarming. It actually made him pretty approachable. And there was something about him that uh, even was charming to the degree that, that people felt like they could kind of share things with him because he had this stutter. It, it was one of these weird, random things about his life uh, that actually made Philby very attractive. Well, okay, what made Jesus attractive? Now, we know he didn't have a stutter, but was, and, and here's the thing, we, we actually know very little about Jesus' physical appearance. You know, was he, uh, was he tall? Was, you know, we, we don't know a lot about what he looked like. We, we actually don't really know much about his personality even. Like we know some of the things that he said, but was he extroverted? Was he introverted? Like sometimes I think about Jesus and it's like, okay, was he the type of person that every time you were around him, he, like he had this really profound truth bomb that like cut you to the core? Or was he this guy that you could maybe chit-chat with and joke with? What, what was his personality like? What, was, uh, his, what did he physically look like? What, was it his personality? Was it his physical appearance? Is that why people were attracted to him? Lots of times when we think about that today, that's kind of where we go. We, we think about personality. We think about physical appearance as we think about uh, being attractive. Why was Jesus so attractive? Why was he so famous? Why did people want to follow Jesus? Matthew 4, 23 to 25 is important because God cares about what we're known for. God cares about the things that uh, we attract people to him uh, for. This passage puts together some of the pieces of Jesus' ministry, and we get a glimpse as to what he was about. 
Now, Matthew 4 has given us these, these highlights of his ministry. And, and this passage actually links those ministry emphases of his preaching and, and his discipleship. And now we're going to look at his healing. It puts all those together in such a way that those things actually are what drew people to Jesus. So you see, what Jesus was about is what we're supposed to be about. So historically, some churches have attracted crowds for all the wrong reasons. But, but when we look at Jesus' life, we, we see the, the, the right reasons that we're supposed to draw people to Him. This gives us a clue on, okay, how are we supposed to attract people? And listen, God cares about how we attract people. God wants us to attract people to Jesus, but He also cares about how we do it. He cares about uh, what we're known for. If you've missed the first couple of weeks of this series, this is the final of three messages that we're calling the way of Jesus. And they're all here from Matthew 4. In Matthew 4, uh, we get these three kind of major hallmarks of Jesus's ministry. We see that he uh, preached or he proclaimed. We saw that he made disciples. And now we're going to see that, that he heals. And listen, all of these things are meant to be marks of a healthy ministry or, or, or a healthy church or even as an individual. These should mark all of your personal ministry. All of these are, are the good things, okay? And listen, a, a church and individuals, you know, we've all heard the saying that, you know, uh, you can focus on good things to the detriment of the great things, right? Yeah. And listen, churches can do that. We can do a lot of good things to the detriment of the most important things that we're supposed to be doing. And, and these three things are the great things that we're supposed to be doing. These are the things that, that mark Jesus' ministry. Two weeks ago, we saw that he preached. His ministry was all about proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. Therefore, individually and corporately, we should have these ministries of proclamation. We should use the words that God has given us to tell about the good news of the gospel. Last week, we saw that Jesus made disciples. And again, individually as well as corporately, we're to have these disciple-making ministries. One way to think of it is, listen, we can uh, do a lot of things well, but if we don't make disciples, then we've failed as a church. We haven't done what we're called to do. Well, today we're going to see this third hallmark, that Jesus healed. And we're going to understand what it meant, what it didn't mean, what it means for today, what it doesn't mean for today. And really what we want to get at it is we want to look at the role of healing that Jesus had as, as his attempt to draw crowds. And what healing has to do with drawing people and what healing has to do with creating disciples, followers of Christ. Look with me at, at verse 23, and we're going to see that Jesus heals. Matthew 4, 23 says... And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Now, it mentions here that he preached or he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom. Two weeks ago, we, we saw that Jesus preached and preaching was central to his ministry and it's supposed to be central to ours and in Jesus's day what it looked like is he would go to these different villages and go to these different towns and he would go into the Jewish synagogue and he would participate in those teaching ministries and he would highlight okay this is what the kingdom of God is they would roll out a scroll from the Old Testament they would read a verse and Jesus would explain how that points to the kingdom of God he would explain the good news there also there were times where he would just uh, be teaching teaching outside and, and a crowd would gather and so he would have these open air uh, times of preaching so as he traveled throughout Galilee he was attending synagogues and he was preaching and he would have people that would gather around him outside and he would teach and he would preach but the content of his message is really important we, we see it here that the content of his message was the good news of the kingdom so he was sharing how it was good that he came 
He was sharing that it was good that he was then ushering in this uh, kingdom rule, that, that things were going to be as God wanted them to be. Things were going to be as they were intended to be. And he would call people to repent and believe. You see, if they would repent and believe, if they would turn from living a different way, if they would uh, trust him enough and live according to the kingdom, then they would get these tastes of what life was going to be like in heaven. That They would get these glorious tastes of, of what this culmination of the kingdom would look like. And so they would get to experience it even now. He, he taught about a day that was coming. He taught about a day that was coming that when God would judge the earth. And so there was an urgency about his preaching. He would say, listen, there's a day coming and God is going to judge the wicked and the dead. And if you haven't repented and believed before that, you're going one path. But if you believe and you trust me, you're going to go a different path. There's this day of judgment that is coming. The promise of the kingdom is good news because when it fully comes, there will be no more crying. There will be no more hunger. There will be no more hurt. There will be no more disease. There will be no more death. You see, God's rule is good news. It was good that Jesus came. His message was a good message. His promises were good promises. Following Him was good. And finally, when He fully sets up His rule, it will be good. Eternity with Jesus will be good. That was His sermon. That's what Jesus came uh, to explain and to apply to them. And listen, all of that was out of love. Jesus was compelled to do that. That's good news about the kingdom. And so Matthew 4 explains, listen, primarily and ultimately, that was his ministry to verbally tell people about that message. It was good news. And likewise, Christians should be preaching that same good news. Likewise, churches are to have this preaching ministry where we tell people the good news of the kingdom. That's the best news that's out there. It's better than any news uh, you know, about politics or geopolitical stuff or sports or anything. That's the stuff that we're supposed to be passionate about. Like Jesus were to preach. And the news of his kingdom is just too good to keep to ourselves. As I wrote that out of my manuscript, I thought of, hide it under a bushel? No, I'm going to let it shine. That's what Christians are to be about. We're to be compelled to just let the, the light of the gospel shine. But, but again, that was actually the sermon for uh, a couple of weeks ago. Today we see that he healed. That wasn't all that Jesus did was preaching. In verse 23 it says that he healed every disease and every affliction among the people. Now, of course, Jesus wasn't an ordinary physician, okay? So what Jesus was doing here is this was this, uh, through his supernatural power, he was miraculously healing people. In fact, his divine power is on, dis, dis, uh, on display here because he's healing every type of disease. So no physician can heal every type of disease, but Jesus can. No disease is more powerful than Jesus. Now, to, to be clear, we shouldn't allegorize or spiritualize what's going on here, okay? The, these were tangible, material uh, illnesses and ailments that they had that Jesus was healing. So he was giving sight to the blind. The, the lame were walking again, okay? Those who were sick were made well. There's even some instances where Jesus uh, raised someone from the dead. So Jesus had this, this healing ministry. He, he was powerful and effective, and he had this beautiful healing ministry. And we shouldn't spiritualize it at all. These were physical, tangible, material healings. However, we also need to know that these types of healings included internal problems, they included spiritual brokenness. They, they included mental disorders. Now, of course, not every, uh, everyone with a mental disorder is po uh, possessed by a demon, okay? We understand that to be true. 
But we also need to understand that demon possession can still happen. And even if someone is possessed by a demon and it's leading to all these physical problems in their life, Jesus is more powerful than that. Jesus can cast out demons. However, even if Jesus is more powerful than blindness and demons, isn't he more powerful than anything that we would label as a mental disorder or an addiction? Are you with me? Jesus is more powerful than all of those things. Jesus is in the business of healing no matter what category we put it in. But we need to be careful and understand uh, what this passage implies as well as what it doesn't imply, okay? I, I think the best way to I- interpret this passage is to understand that Jesus heals every type of disease. He can heal every type of disease, and I think that that was going on here. Now, I think he does it in order to display his power over every type of physical disease. But we need to understand that not every person who was sick was healed. Not every person in Jesus' day who was sick was healed. I think what Matthew is doing here is he's generalizing. So not every case of illness was cured. Jesus didn't heal everyone. Related, not every impoverished person was brought up out of poverty in Jesus' day. So we need to understand that the majority of the sick people in Jesus' day were not healed. The majority of the impoverished people in Jesus' day were not pulled out of poverty. And listen, it's the same today. Now listen, I, I camp out on that point not to say that Jesus doesn't care about those things. Okay, we, we have this example of Jesus healing and helping people, healing uh, for, from physical ailments and diseases, and that's because he cares deeply about them. Jesus got up on a cross and sacrificially died for our sins. Why? Because he loves us. So, so we know that Jesus loves us, but, but we also know that he didn't heal everybody. And listen, that's a clue to tell us that his primary, primary concern when he was here, and I think his primary concern today, is not necessarily physical healing. It's not necessarily pulling people up out of poverty. It doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't care. It just means that that is not his ultimate mission. Rather, his concern was preaching about a world that was coming in which all those things would be made whole and right. Now listen, he was phenomenally successful in this healing ministry. And when he decided to heal, no disease could stop him. But certainly, and certainly he was motivated by love. But, 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 but he had this ultimate goal that he was, uh, and, and it did not include healing everyone. If his ultimate goal was not to heal everyone, but rather to heal every type of disease, then what purpose besides love was his healing to serve? H- hear me on this, and I think this is important. Jesus healed in order to validate his preaching about the good news of the kingdom. That was the purpose of his healing. It was certainly out of love. It was certainly to help that individual person. But ultimately, he was doing these healings in order to point to a message that he had for him. It validated his preaching ministry. So there's a connection between his healing and his preaching. His healing serves as a bridge to his sermon. Does that make sense? He brought physical healing as a pathway to spiritual healing. That was Jesus' concern. He felt like, listen, Being blind is awful, but having unrepentant sin that leads you to hell, that's worse. And I care about that more than anything else. We're going to chase those implications of of that truth in a moment, but but I want to ask a couple of questions here and, and look at some of the implications here. What does healing look like today? And maybe a more fundamental question, does healing still happen today? Well, the short answer to that question is yes. Healing, miraculous healing still happen today. We all know that they don't happen as frequently as we ask for them, but they certainly happen today, right? So when they don't happen, 
It's not ultimately because that individual didn't have enough faith, but it's ultimately because God in his sovereign love has chosen not to heal the person in the way that we want to heal it. It's just part of his sovereign goodness. And listen, we all have examples of where we have prayed for healing and God in his sovereign goodness has chosen not to heal and not to answer the prayers that we want to. However, some Christians believe that these types of miracles have ceased and, and, and they think that they don't happen anymore. I, I don't think that that's the case, really for a couple of reasons. Number one is I've seen them happen. And number two, we're called to a work of healing. Right. Let, let me camp out on this for a second. In, in James 5.14, James says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Listen, a very important part of our elders' ministry is to pray for you. And in fact, uh, the biggest part of our elder meetings every time we get together is just in prayer. We just spend time praying. And in fact, God, uh, the the New Testament gives us this office of, of the deacon office so that we can have people doing these important ministries and it not take away from the ministry of prayer that elders have. This is one of their most fundamental ministries is to pray and specifically to pray for healing. So when you have ailments and you have concerns, in fact, that's where we start in praying. We have a care list that we pray for week in and week out, and that's an important part of pastors and elders' work is there to pray for healing. Healing still happens. But, but later on, or earlier in James, James says this in 127. He says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Now, a verse like that reminds Christians that, listen, we have this this fundamental ministry that we're to minister to people's tangible needs. We're called to participate in these healing ministries. We're, We're called to minister to orphans and widows. And listen, you just have to look at church history and you see these glorious examples of this happening. Like you go back in church history and Christians have always started orphanages. We've always started hospitals. We've always started ministries that dig water wells around the world. We've started ministries that build houses for people who don't have houses. All of that is consistent with this James 1 passage that calls us to bring healing, bring, bring tangible physical healing to people who don't have it. Healing still happens in Christians and churches are are to do the work for healing. This is why uh, we have our four Denton ministry. Colossians 3.17 says that whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. So our our preaching is to be in the name of the Lord Jesus. We're we're to proclaim Christ with our preaching, but also in our deeds. We have deeds that we're supposed to carry out. These, These good deeds that it talks about in Ephesians 2 that God has created for you to do. And in those good deeds, you're supposed to glorify God. You're supposed to bring physical healing to people as part of your ministry. Maybe it is God miraculously healing someone through prayers. Maybe it's a a tangible healing of some good work that we perform. But either way, tangible, physical healing is part of the ministry of Redeemer Church. This is central to what we're supposed to be about. And listen, I'm not talking about some sort of uh, health, wealth, prosperity, false gospel. And I'm not talking about some sort of weird TV ministry where we're asking for a bunch of money. I'm talking about real people praying for the needs of other real people. I'm talking about everyday, ordinary Christians doing the work of going out and participating in hands and feet projects and being, and being known for that. But, but why? Why are we supposed to do all this? Well, it's because Jesus is known for healing. Look with me at, at verse 24. 
So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those who, oppress, those who were oppressed by demons, those having seizures and uh, paralytics, and he healed them. The first part of this is that his fame spread throughout the whole region. You see, Jesus was known for his healing. Another way of saying this is that Jesus' healing ministry made him famous. The region of Galilee is, is about, at the time, it was probably about 300,000 people. Uh, it's, it's probably about 200 small towns and villages. It wasn't a big area. But, but word got out quickly when Jesus showed up and started healing people. And, and then people just started flocking to him because of it. And some of them were common diseases and ailments. Some of them were more uh, debilitating problems like being paralyzed or having seizures. Some of them were even demon possession. They brought all of these things to him. And everything that was on that list, Jesus was more powerful than. Jesus healed all of those things. He's more powerful than any category of human suffering. And this is what made him famous. Now listen, uh, modern people today, we have a, a misconception, I think, about, about the ancients, okay? The misconception is that, that they were foolishly superstitious and that they were, uh, that we're really enlightened and understand how things really work. They were just these, these weird superstitious people. But this passage actually shows us something else. This list shows that they had a clear distinction between diseases that were primarily physical and diseases that had this internal spiritual component. Look, look back at that list. They, they knew a distinction between something that was primarily about the outer physical man versus something that was primarily about the inner spiritual man or, or the mind. For example, they make a distinction between demon possession and epileptic seizures. Now listen, you know, we go fast through that, but I think it's important to stop and notice that they make that distinction. So they were, he, he's writing this in such a way that they brought someone who struggled with epileptic seizures and they didn't necessarily think that was demon possession, okay? Now, now listen, I, I camp on, on that because the ancients made a distinction between physical disorders and mental or spiritual disorders. Now, I, again, I highlight that because we have a prejudice towards naturalistic uh, understandings of these things. You see, demon possession can still happen today. And, and, and hear me, I want to be super clear on this. Not every type of uh, psychotic disease or, you know, that, that is treated with therapy or a psychotopic drug, not every one of those is a result of demon possession, okay? But when you go through and you read the DSM-5, for example, a lot of those attributes, man, they sound a lot like demon possession. It, it can be is what I'm, is what I'm saying. However, uh, the, the main point that I want you to see is that in, in, a, in a secular worldview, we only have this category of physical disorders, and, we, and thus we only have this category for biological solutions. The ancients understood it differently. Jesus not only healed the body, but he also healed the mind and he healed the heart. Therefore, as Christians, we're called to uh, help heal the body and have a, a ministry to physical suffering, but we're also to bring uh, healing to the mind and to the soul. So we have a ministry to the outer man as well as a ministry to the inner man. Does that make sense? But again, Jesus is known for healing. And another way of saying this is that his healing ministry made him famous. Let me ask some questions. Does our healing ministries make us famous? More specifically, do they make Jesus famous? What are we known for individually, collectively? What are we known for? Are we known for a cool purple building? Which the purple's growing on me, by the way. <laughs> Um, 
Are, are we known for just a, a fun youth group? Are we known for great small groups? And I mean, all of those things are really good, okay? I tell people, where's your church meet? Well, it's by NCTC. I'm like, I don't know. The purple building. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know exactly where you are. God's using it, okay? All those things are good. It's good to have good small groups. It's good to have a great youth group. It's good to have a building. But all, the, all those things are good. But listen, I pray that the world sees our good works of healing. And I pray that they know us for our good works of healing. That's what I pray they know us for. In fact, I, I pray that we get to a place where Redeemer Church is so known for our good works of healing that we make Jesus famous through them. That's my prayer for our church. I, I want people to see those good works of healing and say, I want to know their God. Yeah. If that's what they're about, if that's what their heart is, I want to know their God. Like seriously, I want people to open up Facebook on a Saturday morning and, and, and see another hands and feet project going on and seeing a bunch of smiling faces of people serving in our community. I want them to know our church for that because that's how Jesus is made famous. I want them to see that and say, this church, I'm not a believer in Christ, but this church matters to our community. And because of their good works, the way they bring healing to our community, I want to know their Jesus. That's my prayer for us. I want us to be known for it because I want Jesus to be made famous through our hands and feet projects. What attracted people to Jesus? Jesus wasn't famous for his personality. He wasn't famous for his physical appearance. He was famous for his healing. And in a similar way, God cares about what we're known for. He cares about what we attract people around. But what does attracting people through healing produce? Look at this next verse, 25. Jesus is followed because of his healing. Verse 25 says, And great crowds followed him from Galilee and from the Decapolis and, made Jerusalem, and from Jerusalem in Judea and from beyond the Jordan. Like Jesus, our ministries, meeting tangible physical needs should attract people. Yeah. Jesus was known for his healing. Redeemer Church uh, uh, should bring healing to our community. However, that healing should make followers of Jesus. It, it, it's intended to lead people to Jesus. Our healing is different than the United Way. Our, our charity and our volunteering is different categorically than those things because we want people uh, to follow Jesus as a result of the healing that we bring. We know from the previous passage that following Jesus refers to being a disciple. What, what did Jesus say to those men when, when he called them? Follow me. There's a connection here of following him in discipleship. And so if healing is in the middle of it, what he's trying to say here is that the point of this healing ministry is that Jesus gained disciples as a result of it. In a similar way, the healing ministries of Redeemer Church should produce disciples. It should do, produce faithful followers of Christ. I think this is done in a couple of ways. First, we pray that people are converted through our hands and feet projects. The, the previous church I was at, we had this great hands and feet ministry. And it was, it was so cool to watch it because we, we would be out serving somewhere. And someone would, we would be serving someone and they would ask, why are you here serving me? And then we would just share the gospel. Yeah. And you know what? People got converted from that. But, but let me tell you something cool that happened in that ministry. Not only were the people we were serving getting converted, but the people coming to serve were actually being converted, which sounds strange, but, but here's how it played out. We would have these young people, and they would be talking to their friends, like, hey, what are you doing on Saturday? Man, I'm, I'm going to help these, these homeless people. We're, you know, we're, we're helping a lady do some work in her home. 
wait, you're doing what? Yeah, come with me. Come participate in this. And then these young people would come and they would participate and they would serve with, with a bunch of Christians doing something. And they would ask the same question, why are you doing this? And they would start sharing the gospel. And then people who were coming even to serve would be converted. So the first reason uh, why healing uh, produces faithful followers of Christ is because people are converted through those things. But, but, but second, not only are they converted, but people end up faithfully following Jesus, meaning they become a disciple through that process. Listen, we know the stats. Not everyone who is converted has this life of faithfully following him. The, the Bible doesn't make a distinction between a convert and a disciple. But, but the way it plays out many times in our lives is we have people who are converted, they make this profession of faith, and then they don't faithfully follow the Lord the rest of their life. But listen, a healing ministry is key to our spiritual growth. So again, in, in those projects that we would do, we, we would see people grow spiritually as a result of it. Not only the people that were being served, People who were being served, they would have these people in the name of Jesus that would come help them and it would build their faith, it would encourage them. But then you would have people who were, who were stepping out and, and doing those things and they likewise, uh, that would lead to a discipleship in their own life. Like listen, being a disciple of Christ is not you know, just soaking this stuff in and then never doing anything with it. There's a sense of uh, these ministries of physical healing, they aid our spiritual growth. They help us faithfully follow Jesus. So Jesus healed Jesus was known for his healing, and then people followed Jesus as a result of his healings. And likewise, I think Redeemer Church should be uh, about the ministry of bringing physical, tangible healing to our community. And the purpose of that is to bring physical, tangible healing to our community, but it's also about making Jesus known. It's about making Jesus famous in our community. And also, ultimately on that, we want to attract people to faithfully follow Christ as we serve. Therefore, I think this passage provides two types of takeaways. Number one, Jesus' healing ministry should cause us to do a heart check. I'm going to read this because I think this is important. I found that it's easier to preach and it's harder to heal because healing requires more than being right it requires love. Have you seen that in your own life? Yeah. I think it's easier to be right than to love someone. Yeah, good. That at its core is why ministry of healings is so difficult for me, and maybe it is for you as well. Listen, the, the motivation behind Jesus laying his hands on, on dying, diseased individual and healing them was love. Yeah. He did all of that out of love because he loved them. And listen, that I think forces us to do a little bit of a heart check today. Is the reason why we're not serving our community or the reason maybe why you're not serving your community and bringing healing to your community, is that an issue of love for you? Does this need to be a heart check for you today? And if it is, be encouraged that uh, uh, we need Jesus to give us new and clean hearts. So if, if that's where you are today, and hear me, this is where I am today, then listen, the good news is, is not, hey, walk out of here feeling bad because you don't love people enough. That's not the good news of the gospel, okay? The good news of the gospel is you don't love people like you should, but we've got a God who helps you do it. Another way of saying this is that we need the gospel in order to live according to the gospel, Another way of saying this is we need God's loving grace to enable us to be loving and gracious. 
We have a helper, is what Jesus called him, who will help us do those things. That's the good news. Jesus' healing ministry should be a heart check, which means that we need to cry out to Jesus to give us his loving heart for our community. This is a heart check passage. But, but, but second, Jesus' healing ministry requires intentional strategy. I, I found that Christians and churches, they don't naturally serve their community, Okay. We need teaching from the Word. We need conviction from the Holy Spirit. We need leaders developing a plan and then faithfully carrying out that vision. Listen, I love the vision that our team for Ford Denton has put together. That that vision just excites me. And, And it took a team of people putting those things together. And listen, I have been thrilled by our Hands and Feet projects here in 2021. It has been so exciting to see the pictures and see people coming out and seeing the healing that our church is bringing to our community. My prayer is that those hands and feet projects are are, are what our community knows us for. I I pray that those projects are what attracts people to Jesus. I pray that those projects produce faithful followers to Christ. Well, how can you be a witness through healing? Years ago, the the church I was uh, uh, serving started a great ministry to the homeless in our city, and, and they needed a lot of healing because there were a lot of physical and spiritual needs uh, that they had. And so we just kind of went in and, and listened, and we were trying to maybe discover needs that they had, and just even little things that we could do. And one of the things that we found out is there were some great homeless ministries in our city, but there was kind of this gap. On Saturday at lunch, uh, they, they didn't provide a lunch for people on the weekends. And then just getting to know guys, you're like, okay, well, if we stepped in and maybe help provide lunch, what would you want? And, and maybe this seems silly, but it was a big deal to them. They said, you know, you know we, we always get like a, like a stale sandwich. Like that's what our lunch is. You know, it's always the bread that you get from the grocery store and it's, you know, maybe almost, you know, out of date or maybe just out of, out of date and it's not the best meat or anything. And one of our pastors threw out, hey, what if we brought a bunch of guys and grabbed some grills and like we did like fresh, hot, hamburgers and I mean those guys eyes lit up they're like absolutely we're in and so that's what we did we 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 brought some um, uh, some grills downtown we rented this parking lot and it was really interesting a couple of the guys we knew we just uh, we we told them hey you know we're setting this up and some guys what are y'all doing and we told them and it was just like I mean talk about the word getting out quickly okay kind of like in Jesus's day people just started showing up out of the woodworks and in fact we had a big line of people okay wanting these these hamburgers and it was a combination of the need man and it was kind of cool I mean just you know hamburger just filled the air all around them in that downtown area and and they just came out of, of the woodworks and a crowd gathered now some of our men they had the job of grilling the burgers some of the kids were kind of on the line and they were putting ketchup on there or they were adding cheese or they were giving them a bag of chips or a, a water bottle my job was then to kind of float down the line talking to people you know kind of asking for needs that they had the goal was for me to get to pray for them so that was was kind of my role and so you know my hope was was to find those tangible needs so we could pray for them and figure out how to meet them and then god utterly broke my heart I looked up and here was a mother carrying two small children walking up to our line. And I just realized these, an infant and a preschooler with this lady were living on the street in this downtown area. And I'm telling you, man, the the men of our church, we surrounded her, what what do you need? Tell us your story. And, And we just 
started talking with her, and it was so cool. Our guys, me and guys were running to the grocery store, and, you know, she said, yeah, you know, most nights we, 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 we were able to have a private room in the Salvation Army, but it's so hot, and my baby cries all night, so, man, somebody grabbed and, and, and got a fan for her, you know, to, to put in the room, and, you know, she didn't have a stroller. Somebody quickly bought a stroller for her, uh, for the baby, and we, and we just uh, kind of learned her needs and, and walked with her. Now, again, my job was to kind of walk down the line here, and so I, we swapped numbers that day, and I said, listen, we want to help you. We don't know how to help you, but we want to help you. Here's my number. Call me if you need anything. Well, she began to reach out, and I began to spend some more time with her. And a couple of interesting things happened. Number one, let me say this the right way, she had a series of personality traits and habits that I found off-putting. <laughs> now, you think I'm picking on her, but I'm picking on myself for that reason, okay? Number two, I didn't really know how to help her. Now, I interpreted those things and I put those things together. And you know what Pastor Micah's conclusion was with the off-putting characteristics and not knowing how to help her? You know what I concluded? God wants me to hand her off to someone else. I think someone else needs to help her. So I go to staff meeting and I make a couple of jokes. I say, I have no idea how to help her. I think one of you guys need to help her. And my senior pastor did a great thing. He would not let me hand her off. And he challenged my sarcastic jokes. And he said, you know what? I don't think you love her like Jesus loves her. He said, I don't, I think you have a heart problem. And listen, he acknowledged I didn't know how to help her. And he said, maybe you need to be a leader and figure it out. And he pushed it back into my court. Now listen, in the end, she became a dear friend. We had her in our home. We had the blessing of getting to walk with her through really dark days, but also some wonderful days. And I got a front row seat of how Jesus heals. I got to see it all. I saw how attracting people through healing transforms unbelievers into followers of Jesus. I experienced how healing ministry forced me to preach the kingdom as well as love someone who was hard to love. I personally grew in facing my own lack of love, but by seeing how Jesus provided where I lacked. Are you with me? Listen, Jesus was made famous and crowds followed him as he taught, as he preached, and as he healed. Jesus is attractive when we not only preach the good news, but we also do these tangible healing acts out of the good news. But it's easier to preach and it's harder to heal because healing requires more than being right. Healing requires love. And none of us love in the way that Jesus loves, right? But that actually is the good news of this passage. He meets us there. If you're there, that's exactly where Jesus wants you to be, and he wants you to cry out to him for help. We need Jesus' healing love in order to bring his healing love. Sounds a lot like broken people loving broken people to me. It sounds a lot like just what we're supposed to do. Brothers and sisters, may Redeemer Church be a witness through healing. Pray with me. Father God, I thank you for this passage, and I thank you even in my own life where it's, it has highlighted ways in the past where I've had a deficiency of love and even today have such a deficiency in my love. Lord, I pray for all of us that you would just give us a love for this community. I pray that we would find and discover different ways to minister in our community. Lord, I, I pray that uh, 
our hands and feet projects and our four Denton ministry, that that wouldn't just be something that we do on the side or that maybe a couple of people do because they're really into it. I pray that our community would know us for those ministries. I pray that they would just almost see it as, as obnoxious on, on how we just are out there trying to love people. But Lord, ultimately, I, I pray that our community would see us doing that and that they would say, you know what? I want to know their Jesus. I want to know their God. And I pray that as years go by, that we will see people converted. We would see people become followers of you as a result of bringing healing to our community. It's in Jesus' name we'll pray. Amen.